Well, good evening and good morning, EPL State of Mind listeners. Welcome back to the Rundown Part 2 with myself, James, and Sean. This is a pickup from what we did last Sunday, which is what we want to kind of do before the transfer window ends. We're going to go through the remaining half, most likely, of the teams, uh, go over what they did over the summer, kind of a recap of what they did last year, not too much into that, and where we really see them going for the remainder of the season. So really excited to be back here with you, Sean, especially today. I know your team had a had a massive W, and I don't want to get too in, into that because I think we'll definitely cover that and some of the happenings in the, the podcast tomorrow, Tuesday, whenever we're able to record that. So I'll save you, let you uh, marinate in the victory a little bit longer before you get to tell us how you really feel. Uh, but I definitely did watch it uh, today in Philly with my boys, and it was an exciting game. So congratulations, Sean. That's a big dub, especially against Newcastle at home. So gigantic win for you. You doubted us, baby. You doubted us. It's true. It's true. But with the game starting the way it did, I right. felt pretty solid. But yeah. freaking Nunez. Yeah, we'll get to him in a second. But let's start it off with uh, their their Merseyside rivals, the uh, the Toffees of Everton. Yes, very fitting, especially since they lost one of their brightest people over the course of last uh, last season, which was Anthony Gordon. So we can segue perfectly into that. So last year, obviously, everyone knows that they just squeaked by another missed relegation for the second season in a row. This one was a little bit closer than last year. Last year, they avoided it with two with two games left. This year, they avoided it in the final day. A lot of interesting scenarios that could have resulted from the season's ending Saturday last year or Championship Sunday, Survival Sunday, whatever you want to call it. And we have Toffees for one more season. Unfortunately, based off of the performances last year and their opening three games, I don't want to say it too early, but this could be their last season in here. So we definitely want to keep an eye out them for the remainder of the year. They've already gone through supposedly what could have been a relegation battle against Wolves. And to me, they kind of just struggled throughout the entirety of the season. The most exciting thing that happened to them was bringing in Sean Dyche, the relegation master, which worked. Uh, they brought him in and they lost 27 less games. I'm sorry, 27. They lost 27, I think, before Sean Dyche. And 25, I'm sorry, they lost 32 against Frank Lampard and only lost 25 against Sean Dyche. So that's probably the most exciting thing that happened to the Toffees during the season last year. The biggest issue for me was where they were going to get goals from. And to me, it's still the main issue that they have here this season. So going into the summer, there was two big takeaways I had. One, before the season ended last year, they renewed or extended uh, Pickford's contract to three years. Now, this was a two-point two position for me. One was to keep him in case they did stay up, but the other was a safety net to increase his contract value for a possible sale if they did get relegated. Increase his value because his contract's longer. Part of me actually thought we probably would see him go this summer just because of how hot the keeper window was or the keep it market was this summer. So part of me is kind of a bit shocked, but obviously Everton need every little bit they can get. So keeping their best player is probably a smart thing to do. Other than that, I'm sure you know a lot about the attacking prowess or the lack thereof, and I'll let you take that. But what did you think about my take on Pickford? That aligns with what you're thinking? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think there's some some component of truth to that where they it was twofold, right? If, if they stayed up, they're going to keep them. Now they have them under contract long term. And if they went down, like you said, would have garnered more value. So definitely agree with that perspective of it. Um, and I, I think the other thing that you said that I really agree with is that you just don't know where goals are going to come from in this team. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was the guy last year, or I guess really in, in the past and leading into this season, the guy that they expected to do it. But, you know, he never stays fit. We've already seen that this year. He's gotten injured um, and, you know, didn't look too inspiring before that injury. These were the second lowest scorers yeah. in the league last year, only behind Wolves. So they were averaging less than a goal a game with 34 in total on the season. To address some of those issues, they brought in three attacking players, the first of which is Yusef Shermidi. He's a uh, striker, Portuguese young striker. I think he's only 19. Came over from Sporting Lisbon, which is obviously one of the biggest talent factories in Europe. Um, he's more of your classic DCL type of target man. He's six foot four. 
He's pretty good in the air, but um, similarly also struggles with injuries. And at 19, we haven't seen a ton of him yet. Um, and then you move over to Arnaud Danjuma. That's the big one as well. Uh, he was actually at uh, Tot or excuse me Everton last year for a medical, and then was not able to uh, make that move. Ended up going to Tottenham, and now is back. <laughs> at Everton. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him, but he's a guy who, you know, really drives the creativity. I think something that they lack is, is obviously that creativity. Um, and then the final signing I just wanted to mention was Jack Harrison, who they brought in from Leeds. Um, and he's currently banged up with a hit hip injury, but he's the classic, you know, late, late game substitution type of player. You can throw Jack Harrison on and, you know, with his pace, his dribbling ability. Um, I think he can cause problems for defenses late in games. So when he gets back to fitness, that'll definitely help. He had 12 goal contributions last year for Leeds. Um, so I think, you know, he can either play, like I said, coming in and off the bench or even starting. Um, it's not like they're unbelievable on the wings. I think Damari Gray is probably their best player. But, you know, across from him, it's certainly an open spot. But um, unless you had anything else, I mean, I, I, I think this could be the year they go down. I really don't f have the same positive feeling or confidence in them that they've had in previous years. That they stay up, but it is early at this point, you know, sad as it is to say that because this is obviously a historic club. They're one of, uh, I think it's six teams who have never been relegated from the Premier league and have the longest spell in the top flight be besides uh, the gunners. But uh, I just don't see the goals there. And I, I, I don't think it's a very impressive or good team. Um, even their, their loss this weekend against Wolves, one nothing. They gave up a goal late, just kind of switched off defensively. And you know, if you're not scoring against Wolves, who the fuck are you going to score against? I mean, this is that's a team that you're going to be competing with. You know, at the bottom of the table, you got out possessed, out shot, didn't didn't score a goal, didn't create anything crazy. It's just um, you know, I I do like a couple of moves they've made, but the other thing I don't like is you bring in the corpse of Ashley Young. He's 38 yeah. years old. Yeah. He's going to be your every week fullback across from Seamus Coleman, who's also older than, you know, the crust in, in, in Kyle's underwear. It's just it's ridiculous. <laughs> so I, I think this is it. I think this is it for the Toffees. And unless, yeah. you, you know, just throw it over to you, any, any, any last thoughts that you have on them? I don't know. They're kind of lining it up to be that way. Right now they're in the green with their transfer money. They are net positive, which is never a good sign if you're a relegation team. It's kind of thrown up. A bit of a, a white flag there they're saying we're going to minimize all forms of financial loss this season and we'll be back um, sometimes in order to get through the storm yeah i go deeper into it and that might be going down to the championship for them unfortunately for me i did think maybe they would get a little bit more backing but obviously financial fair play regulations kind of prevent prevented from doing so and i thought they were going to do better than they than they are currently but yeah, they, they're the only team that doesn't have a single goal out of the first three games. So, Sean, I, I think you're you're early on saying it, but I do not think you're wrong. So, unfortunate. Going to the next team who was promoted last year and exceeded their expectations is Fulham. And we talked about this a little bit last year as well, how they came in. They did extremely well in the championship. And they were kind of a bit of the definition, I think you even said it, of a yo-yo team that they would be up in the Premier League, they'd go back down, then they'd come back up, and then they'd go back down. So last year, they're looking to stay up here for the second season in a row, which would break a bit of a bad habit there for them. So it's great. Heading over at Craven Cottage is always a difficult game too. So it's a, it's a team that now has the base that they need to build on. But unfortunately, they needed more depth and they needed more quality. And unfortunately, I think they did the complete opposite of this as well. And they lost their main people or are going to be losing their main people. Um, in my kind of instinct here, they really needed to have Mitrovic back and firing on all cylinders again like they did last year. We know the last time he was in the Premier League from having a great time in the championship, he didn't do so hot. But last year, he finally did. I think as soon as he got that that suspension for pushing the referee during the FA cup game. I think that really was it for him. He wanted out of the premier league. Uh, he's out of the premier league now. And that kind of leaves Fulham holding, you know what in their hand with Raul, uh, Raul Menez, right. And they brought him in from wolves and 
to go from Mitrovic to him is a downgrade to me. Anytime you bring someone in to replace somebody, it needs to be an equivalent younger or it needs to be better. And unfortunately, they're just not getting that with Raul. Now, one other area that concerns me is two players. I'll tell you who I think first is an issue, and that's Willian, which is unfortunate for me as an ex-Arsenal fan. He did poorly with us, but it was really exciting to see him kind of make, like I said, I made a big deal of it during the season and the podcast last season, so I don't want to dive too into it. But he had a revival season. He played great. He looked like he did at Chelsea. So it was a big season for him, really excited for him. But a low-key sleeper loss for these guys for Fulham is the loss of Manor Solomon. I mean, he was not necessarily the most exciting goal scorer for him, but he was a very large cog in the center of that pitch for him. I mean, just to throw up a couple of stats here, he is a very creative, composed, chance-creating player. He averaged one chance created per 90 and led his team in successful dribbles per 90 minutes, and he had the highest shot on target percentage from the team with 63.6%. So he's not scoring a lot of goals, but he's making a lot of opportunities. He's creating the midfield. And just from the little bit of time that we've seen him on the pitch for Spurs this season, it reflects that. He might not be playing the full games, but anytime he's on the pitch, he's giving you quality. And that's something that Fulham really needed to retain. So my opinion, they haven't done enough during this offseason to really improve upon what they did last season. So totally. I think they'll see it. You'll see a drop below the top 10. I'm thinking probably around 13, 14 for these guys. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on there. Uh, they have enough quality in the squad to stay up, but losing Mitrovic and bringing in Jimenez, who at one time was a very good Premier League striker, but since yeah. his head injuries and, you know, he's also in his 30s. I want to say he's 33. Um, not the same player that he was. And, and you know, if he's your number nine, you look around the league, he's probably a bottom half, bottom five, yeah. number nine in, in the Prem. So, um, you know, we can move on from there, but I do, I do concur with your point of view that I, I think they're going to finish in the bottom half, but I also think they'll be safe from relegation. They're kind of be in, in that yeah. middle mid table, very, very obviously not competing for European football, but also, you know, good enough to stay up. Agreed. Agreed. And the only thing else that changes for them is the amount of baby oil that they now need to consume on the <laughs> sidelines with the. <laughs> addition of Traore. Yeah. So that's what he brings to the table, I think. Obviously a huge, huge body, really pacey, will be exciting. But again, I think it's a it's a not equivalent to the players they lost. Yeah. No, but totally. some something that I think you'll be excited to talk about. I'm just gonna hand you the whole entire session on these guys, <laughs> especially after the day today. So tell me about Liverpool. You can give me the give me your spiel, man. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm riding the high of today. So my opinion and my overall outlook is probably going to be more optimistic than it usually would be, um, just based on what they've done this window. Um, obviously, there was a lot of departures of free agents between Keita, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Bobby Firmino, and uh, James Milner. But they also lost Fabinho and Henderson to the Saudi Arabian Pro League. Um, it's... Uh, I don't know. I have mixed emotions on it because I think it was time to move both those guys on, but maybe not in the same window. I think you lose a lot of leadership and solidity in the park. I love what they've done in the, their other transfers that they brought in. McAllister from Brighton, you know, World Cup winner, very solid player. He can play in a multitude of positions, and he's you know a high football IQ. Good signing. That makes sense. Uh, Sobozlai, huge fan of him. He's tall. He's handsome. He runs. He, you know, he's got power. He's got pace. He can dribble past people. He's got, you know, I think somebody to keep an eye on. He could be a goal of the year contender kind of guy. He just has these shown these flashes. But I mean, if you look up his highlights, that guy can hit one from deep. He's really good set piece taker as well, which gives him another dimension. Um, but I, I think the only thing that's really holding them back, it's, it's actually two things. It's, um, you know, no clear holding midfielder who can break up play and, and, you know, give you that steal that a lot of the top teams have, you know, Rice, Rice at Arsenal or Rodri at Man City, um, even Caicedo now at Chelsea, Casemiro at Man United. The Liverpool doesn't have that guy. You know, Watoro Endo was brought in from Stuttgart, but he's just not quite at that level, I, th I think. And I would happy, happily be proved wrong. But, you know, he was somebody that, that didn't expect to ever play in the Premier League, and that says a lot. And, and I'm not shitting on the guy. I think he's going to be, you know, a useful player. I just think there's too much reliance on him and then also a child and Stefan Bacetic, who – you know, looked really good, but let's, let's, you know, temper our expectations here. 
They're playing in Europa League. They're, you know, they should be competing at minimum for top four in the league. You can't have an 18 year old or seven, he might even be 17 year old, you know, going out there every week as, as your first choice. So, um, we'll see. There's still time left in this window. I think, uh, unless a left-sided center back and a CDM comes through the door, there's no way that they're in the title picture. But if, if those were to be brought in, then yeah, I think they could go toe to toe with city and arsenal. Um, at the moment though, I just think they're just a notch below. So I, I had them finishing third. Um, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that that's where I, where I've got them at the moment, but you know, just mo- moving on from uh, one, one end of the table to the other, you got Liverpool to Luton town, which is just such a different type of vibe. Um, you know, first time that they've ever been in the premier league, they were promoted after uh, winning the EFL championship playoff, um, spent some time in the top flight in the eighties and the early nineties. I think their last season was in 91. Um, so they were relegated right before the advent of the premier league. Um, but just a very small club, you know, both from a history standpoint, also fan base size. Um, and then also the, you know, where they play at Kenilworth road, which is, you know, over a hundred, uh, hundred years old. And they actually have the smallest capacity in the premier league, uh, with I think it's just over 10,000 fans. So pretty wild. They actually have not had a home game yet because of uh, some issues with, uh, with building their stadium. I think they put 10 million in renovations in just to, you know, meet premier league standard. Um, but I do actually like the business that they've done. Um, I think it was, you know, a relatively unexpected promotion for them. I know they finished third, so they were obviously a good team last year, but um, they just don't have the, you know, the investment of a lot of the clubs that come up, you know, compared to a Fulham or a Brentford, for example, uh, who've been recently promoted. Nottingham Forest last year came up and spent a ton of money. Um, I, I think that they brought in good players. You know, Ross Barkley has Premier League experience, as does Marvelous Nakamba, who was there on loan last year. Um, they brought in three or four players from the championship who are, you know, young, standout, impactful players. Uh, Chidozi Agbene, who's uh, an Irish international, he was the star man at Rotherham and kind of brings p- positional versatility. He could play on either wing. He could play in the 10. He could even play up front if you want or as a second striker. So he's got a lot of versatility. They brought in Ryan Giles from Wolves, um, who was actually on loan at Middlesbrough last year. He looks like a really promising player. I think he's going to be one of their key guys. Um, and then the last one is Tahith Chong, one of the best haircuts in the league. He's got a huge flowing mane uh, of hair. He was a former Manchester United Youth Academy player, um, but he's uh, toured up in the championship at Birmingham City for the last two seasons, the first of which was on loan. Um, and now he moves to Luton Town. He gets a chance to play every week in the Premier League now. So, um, you know, I'm excited for them. I think Kenilworth Road is going to be rocking and we'll be seeing, you know, a couple of teams throughout the year drop points there because it, it will be a, you know, a tough place to play. And obviously, you know, there's fans that never expected to see Premier League football. So they're going to bask in every second of it. Uh, but I just, I don't know if they have enough Premier League quality players to stay up. I just think that's too, too tall of a task, but interested to hear what you think. Yeah, no, I mean, to, to me, one thing I'll point out as, as, a, as a kudos to Luton Town, they're obviously going to get a, a ton a ton of money this season just being who they are coming from such probably low expectations, but just being the Premier League, all the broadcasts, the ticket sales, it's going to go through the roof for these guys. So regardless if they stay up or go down, they'll they'll have a nice little uh, pile of cash, so to speak, that they can use in the next season. One thing about the cash, they've only spent 22.75 million euros this, this summer transfer market, which is typically a little bit low for someone who or a, a newly promoted team to actually expenditure wise in my opinion but just to put these guys into perspective for everyone who might not be familiar with i did a quick little something here a table where i showed you the lowest value team transfer market money wise the lowest and the highest and then compared the lowest salary annually to the highest and then obviously because we love talking about the stadium the largest stadium in the NPL compared to the smallest so with the smallest team market value is Luton Town at 62, 62.6 million pounds. The highest is Man City with 1.07 billion pounds. Okay, so that's that's a million, but with a B, so it's a different, it's way, way, way bigger. So you can just see 
the comparison between Luton and Man City is ginormous. And everyone in between is substantially higher than Luton Town, too. So then total yearly salaries, lowest in the English Premier League, is Luton Town with 4.9 million pounds. Highest, of course, is going to be Man City with 178.5 million pounds. That is crazy. So to even expect a team like this to compete with a, a that's such a high standard is beyond fathomable. You know, it's it's just that is what we're dealing with when we come into the Premier League and these teams that come up from League Three, League Two, League One, Championship. It's just not the same quality, which is why you see it flip flop. The yo yo happens so much. Last year, like I said, was a bit of an enigma where all three teams that were recently promoted stayed up. And then just because we love them so much, the smallest stadium size, Kenilworth Road, 10,356 people. And that's going up right now through those renovations. And the, the largest one is Old Trafford, which is Man U's, which is 75,653 people. So that's kind of what I think about them. I don't see them staying up, but it's very exciting to always see a new team in the EPL. Kind of a good segue. We went from the lowest of everything to the highest. So we're going to swing right into Manchester City. I don't think there's a lot we can talk about other than the fact that they, like you said here, uh, won everything and employed a Viking robot program to score goals. And that's pretty spot on. And that's exactly what happened during their season last year. So you have to give it to Pep. He finally got his treble. I think all the Pep doubters of being the greatest manager to live can now probably take a seat. He's got the treble, the elusive Champions League trophy that everyone said he's not the best because he doesn't have it, but everyone is trying to be like him. So, you know, uh, what do they say? Um, mockery and whatever is the highest form of flattery. Uh, imitations, the, the well, highest pep, form of pep flattery. Imitation. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Everyone's trying to be mega mind. So, the big question I have for you, Sean, for Man City, and I know Kyle would have another opinion possibly, but overall during this summer, the big question to them is have they strengthened their team with the losses that they received? Yeah, I, I would say that they're weaker today than they were two months ago or at the end of last season. Um, now, the the other question to respond to that is, is the gap that they've lost, is it, you know, enough where the teams around them have gotten better and going to, to surpass them? You know, it's really tough to say that. Um, I still look at this team, you know, Josco Guardiol was brought in from Leipzig. He's one of the, you know, most highly thought of center backs in the world. Really good, you know, ball playing center half. Mateo Kovacic comes in for Gundogan. I think that's a downgrade. Um, Agreed. Kovacic is 29. It's not like he's super young. So it's not like there's a, a ton of ceiling there, but I know Pep obviously can get the best out of him. I just think Gundogan was so crucial to the way they played and scored so many impactful goals that will be hard to replace. But it seems like Rodri just decides now he's just going to score all of those important goals. So yeah. it, it just seems like they can pick up wherever. And then obviously the, the one to watch is the signing that they just made last week that we talked about on the previous podcast. Uh, Jeremy Doku from Wren, really exciting, pacey winger. You know, if he's one-on-one -on -one with a fullback, your cheeks are clenched. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, this guy, he, he can cook anybody. He's really special. So, um, you know, we'll see. I But I I, I think it's hard to bet against them Yeah. Um, in terms of winning the, the Premier League for a record fourth time. It's never been done before. But, you know, they have the manager to do it. They have the, the best defense in the league. They have a striker who broke the, you know, the Premier League record easily in his first season for goals yeah goals in a season for in his first season um now again remains to be seen whether or not he can do all you know to that same level again and especially without kevin de bruyne for at least the next couple yeah. of months so um if there's a time for a team to to you know start out of the gate strong this it's is this is the year because yeah. um we know what they're what they're like when they get going in february so you have to bank as many points as you can now and uh you know go from there yeah, I mean, I thought we had Sheffield do us a favor today. That was a close one. We'll talk about it. Actually, I don't know if we'll talk about it tomorrow. I wasn't that excited except for the fact that Sheffield really almost got everyone in the Premier League pretty happy. They tied it up 1-1. <laughs> Holland missed a PK. And not for nothing, the depth of this team is just not there for me. They're the smallest roster as well. So I thought maybe that they would kind of you know expand upon that. Their academy isn't quite as 
pronounced as like a Chelsea or like I'll even say an Arsenal or a Liverpool, but it's getting there. Uh, Cole Palmer, I don't know if we mentioned him before, but he was looking at to be the replacement for Mares before uh, Duku came in. So it, it, there's some co- competition there. He might Palmer might be leaving on either a sell or a loan before the transfer window is complete. That's a player to keep your eye out for. He had a great preseason. He had a worldie scored against Arsenal in the um, the Community Shield. So I mean that's that's promising youngster from there. But you can see how Pep kind of treats his young players a good season. And then you look at Phil Foden. So we'll 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 see what comes of these guys. I overall don't think that they improved their squad, but I think the biggest thing that you pointed out is is that delta now still too large. And every team I think in the top half of the table this year improved with the exception of maybe Man City that they didn't necessarily take leaps and bounds, but it doesn't mean that everyone got improved to their standard. It just is going to make right. it a lot harder to come in second place. Now is essentially what it's going to be, but we'll, we'll see how it is. Hopefully we don't have a four Pete. Uh, it would be the first time, but I would not be surprised. So fingers crossed <laughs> there for everybody moving to the other Manchester team though is Manchester United. Of course, and my biggest thing for these guys is they're like I said before they kind of got off to the same start as last year, a bit rocky. Um, they really pulled it through towards the second half of the season last year, but that's because they had some key players come in, like Casemiro. Uh, I will say Whitehorse came in; he didn't have a massive, you know, presence, but he held the ball up nicely, so it gave the opportunity for Rashford to play on the side, play off of him, and get those guys firing all cylinders. They don't have that luxury of bringing in a new Casemiro again to to save them for what could potentially be a bit of a a rough start, a bumpy start. They did pull out a win yesterday out of the last bit of dying embers. They went down 2-0 to Nottingham Forest, but we can talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. For me, Man United, if they can stay top four this season, they have a larger arching problem for me, and that's the age that they have for their key players. Casemiro, Christian Eriksen, uh, even Rashford's getting to his prime, but he's getting up there in age. He's 25 now, I believe. You have Martial is 27. You have Ron. Ron, 30. He's in his 30s, yeah. Injured now. You're losing a lot of your spine just to age. And Bruno Fernandez is 27, I think, too. What do I have here? Yeah, the the lineup that they – he's 28, Bruno. The lineup that they started against Forrest this week – was one of the oldest lineups of the weekend. And it was 27.5 years of age. So that's a concern to me. They did bring in, of course, a new striker because that's what they desperately need to keep Rashford on the left side in Hoyland. But he came in injured right away and he's 20 and he's never been uh, Premier League tested. And to be honest with you, he didn't have that shining of a, a, a reputation in uh, Syria. But that's because he's young. So he could be the next Holland, but he's spelt his last name differently and is from Denmark. So we'll see, we'll see, how, see how he develops there. Um, what do you think, Sean? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you look at this team, there's no question now at this point that it's Eric, you know, it, Eric Ten Hag's stamp is on the squad. He's spent over $350 million since coming into the job over just over a year ago now. Um, so... Now he's got Onana at goalkeeper. There's, one, there's a, at least one in every position, whether that's goalkeeper, center back, um, you know, with Martinez, fullback with Malasia. They brought in Casemiro. They brought in Erickson. Mount came in this summer as well. I mean, we'll get to that in a second, but a, a guy who's genuinely never impressed me in any game that I've watched. I probably watched him 15 times between uh, England and then also with Chelsea. He's never impressed me. I don't know how on earth he's worth $60 million. Um, but yeah, from a, I think the, the two biggest things they needed last year, it was obvious for anyone who watched them. De- David De Gea had to go. We talked about that several times. They bring in Onana, who is much better with the ball at his feet. Definitely kind of unlocks a style of play that Ten Hag wants to. Um, but he's, as we've seen, he's a little bit mistake prone. Mm. And he's also awful in the air um, mm. in terms of commanding his box from crosses and things like that. Should have had a PK against the Wolves. Right, against Wolves. And yesterday they gave up a, a goal on a corner from um, 
Oh, what's the guy's name? I forget from Forrest. I, I'm sorry to whoever. He scored the goal off the corner kick. I think it's uh, like Bamba or something like that. He wears number 30. Anyways. Yeah. So they upgrade there, but I don't think it's as big of an upgrade when you look around the league. I think David Rye is a better goalkeeper. I think yeah. Allison obviously is the best in the world, in my opinion. Great save today. Just wanted to huge, shout out that game. Huge. The, you're talking about the one that hit the crossbar. He popped up there. Yeah. Well, but he, po- yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, he's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's an upgrade, but I, I don't think he's one of the best in the league. I think Hoyland, you know, it's going to take some time to adjust. He's out injured right now. Yep. Um, he honestly reminds me a little bit of Darwin Nunez. If you just, like, talk about the, t- the style of play, like he's big, tall, very pacey, um, not the most technically gifted player in the world. He's not going to link play super well, but he's going to run the channels. You know, he's going to get his head on, on a couple goals here and there. Yeah. Um, I expect, obviously, he scored nine goals last year. Um, with Atalanta, or I think maybe in his career, that's what he has. But regardless, he needs to at least put that up to to you know be worth seventy five million. Yeah, at that age you have 20. to have an instant impact. You have to have an instant impact. Yeah. Well, the but, only impact he's got is his tush on the bench right now with that injury. <laughs> so it's money well spent. But I just uh, want to say one thing before yeah, we, yeah, yeah. before we move on. Um, this is going to be controversial. I'm sure uh, if uh, if Kyle's buddy. Ian is listening. I don't <laughs> see this team making the top four. I don't. I, I it's think tough. it's you, tough. I just, I don't see it. I don't think they're as good as City now. Are they as good as Arsenal? No. I think Liverpool's going to be back better. Um, mm-hmm. You kind of got cut off there. I said, I think they're going to finish third. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's my, you know, I think they could push for the title if everything worked out, but I don't, I don't see that with Man U. I just don't, I don't see them being able to do it. I think Newcastle's stronger. Um, this year than they were the previous year. I think uh, Chelsea, you know, potentially could get in that mix, and Tottenham even has has yeah. shown some promise too. But um, Man United doesn't impress me. It's just it's a it's a obviously a very good team, but you spent almost four hundred million dollars now at this point, and there's still question marks at several positions. There's guys who don't fit the system. You know, mm-hmm. Wan Bissaka is a great one on one defender, but I mean, the ball at his feet, you'd be better off with putting a newborn out there that have the same <laughs> amount of poise and control on the ball. <laughs> so, um, for me, I just think uh, they take a little bit of a step back, especially with Champions League football to contend with. Um, they're one Casemiro or Rashford injury away from being in, in yeah. trouble because yeah. there's a lot of guys who are, are underperforming and, you know, haven't shown they can be relied upon to be stepped up. So, that's, that's just the way I see it, though. I'm biased. I don't like them. I think you're right. The Red Devils are definitely, they have a challenge in front of them. I keep going back, and I always go back to that age. If you see that issue, you typically go, okay, I'm going to have a restart. They've started to do that slowly player at a time per season. I think they need to probably bring in a little bit more at once so that they could develop all together. But we'll see. I think um, I think this last game that they just won against Nottingham Forest yesterday was a big lifeline. They, they, they crawled out of a big ditch that they could could have found themselves in. So we'll see, but it's it's all going to come. And this is not just for Man United. This is for like Chelsea. This is for Tottenham. This is for Arsenal out there. It's going to come down to these top six, the big six games. You have to beat the big six guys. You have to, to create that separation. And Man United struggled with that last year. So it's right. very and they're important. all in one this year. They're yeah. all in one lost Against to Tottenham, first. and they have they have two big ones coming up. Uh, they have Arsenal next weekend, and then yep. the following weekend they go to Brighton. So yep. those are two two tough games, teams that they lost to last year. Um, so we'll see. I think we'll find out pretty quickly whether or not they're you know legitimate contenders. I, and I, I just think it's ridiculous that they've spent that much money, and no one even considers them a contender for the title. It's wild. Like if anyone else spent that level, I mean, Chelsea, I guess, spends even more, and somehow <laughs> it's okay that they have no expectations. It's just lunacy to me. All, all Chelsea fans care about is winning the, the friggin' transfer window. Like, congratulations. I mean, <laughs> me personally, I like to win trophies and finish top four. That's just me, though. But let's let's move on from them. Let's hop yeah. over to, uh, to the Hetty Howe, uh, yeah. the Saudi the Saudi back Newcastle Magpies. Um, yeah. They got to hold that fat L today after yeah. Darwin Nunez decided to take over. But That's I really terrible. like the moves they made this summer. Harvey Barnes came in from Leicester for $40 million. Uh, Sandro Tonali. He uh, drinks Beretti and eats spaghetti and hates fucking Sunderland. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that song. He looks like he looks like Ezio f- from Assassin's Creed too, but he plays a little bit more like a an Andrea Pirlo, like the classic yeah. regista Italian playmaker. You know, can pull the strings from deep. 
Um, but he can also, you know, get forward and play a box to box. I like him a lot. Yeah, he's impressive. And then they brought in depth. Yeah, he's he is. He's the game he had against Villa and the game against you guys today. He he performed yeah. very well. For sure. Um, and Barnes, I just wanted to mention him because he comes in to replace Alan St. Maximan, who's uh, also gone to the Saudi Pro League. You know, take a shot if you ever heard that one before. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but I think he he brings more of a direct component, you know, straight ahead style. Yep. You know, obviously San Maximan has all the tricks, the flair, whatever. But Barnes is no nonsense. He's gonna he's gonna you know cause problems for defenders. He's gonna run off the shoulder. He's got good timing from that perspective. Um, and then yeah, two fullbacks, which I think are really important because of you know that now they have to contend with European football with Champions League. Um, Lewis Hall came in from Chelsea, which uh, I'm, I'll let you talk about, but they also brought in Tino Livermento from Southampton for roughly similar prices, around 35 mil. But yeah. uh, you wanted to talk about Lewis Hall a little bit? I did, because the kid, and he is a kid, he is 18 years of age, was a Chelsea Academy grad. And I added him on here because it just it just came up, I think, within the last week that was confirmed that he's now on loan with an obligation to buy, considering certain things are met during the season for twenty eight million plus seven million add ons. And I think this is a great move by both parties, by Chelsea and by Newcastle, one for Chelsea, because if they do have the obligation, Newcastle has obligation to buy that funds goes towards their purse next transfer window, which will help them in UEFA FFP rules and stuff like that, that will increase their income, right? Obviously, and without, you know, any type of European soccer right now, they don't necessarily need it because they're within the EPL standards right now. But more importantly, I think it's a smart move for Newcastle because this kid's 18 years old. He got starts last year. He got time with Chelsea. He shows a lot of promise. And the back line that is Newcastle right now is extremely experienced and extremely strong and offers a great opportunity to guide this kid into what could be a really successful future. And especially since right now, if you look at the left backs that they have with Dan Byrne, who's 31, he's a monster of a human being, but he's 31 years old. And then Matt Target, who's just above average, I think, in, in that back line, give or take. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a pretty average player. Yeah, he's, he's an average Premier League defender. Exactly. So Hall is going to be creating competition with Target when Dan Byrne isn't available. And I think he's going to learn a ton from Trippier, Shar, Shear, and uh, Shear and and Byrne. I mean, it's a it's a recipe for development there. So I think he's really excited. Apparently, him and his brothers were uh big Newcastle fans growing up. So I think it's an exciting move for him. So I think uh, that's my highlight of a, the, the loan or transfer market for, for them. But obviously, they needed depth all around now having the Champions League. So it will be exciting to see if they're able to cope with midweek games and not have as many injuries as they potentially could have or could have had last year. Right. Yeah. And, and I, just one more thing before we move on. Where do you see them finishing? What's the ceiling for them? I mean, the ceiling for them, I think, is back at third place. I don't think okay. they'll come in second because of the midweek games will create a bit of a problem for him. And I just, I don't know if we've seen Eddie in this type of position before. I don't, I don't know his background as well. So it's new for Eddie Howe too. So we'll, we'll see how the team copes with that, but obviously losing today against Liverpool, Liverpool, when you have 10 men since minute 28 at home, that's going to be a bit of a self-esteem blow that we, we got to see if these guys can bounce back from a little bit here. So, you know, when life gives you lemons, you try to make some lemonade out of it, but this is just not one that, that I think they're going to get any, uh, you know, yard sale from, but it will be exciting to see them continue the path down something maybe even greater. But as far as continuing a path of something great, I don't really know if we can say the same thing for this team and that's Nottingham forest. So the city ground is obviously always a fun place to play at, um, which is where they were home this week against Man U, right? Yeah, so mm -hmm. obviously opened up in the first five minutes of the game, scoring two goals. I think Nottingham Forest probably outplayed or outperformed their season last year as well. Um, they were the worst away team in the Premier League last season with their only win coming over Southampton. So that says a lot about a team. And to have absolutely only one win on an away venue and still stay up is pretty impressive. 
Um, so, I mean, they picked up seven points all year round on the road. That's horrible. That is absolutely <laughs> horrible. So that's you definitely. Play, you play 19 games on the road. They got points <laughs> in three of them. It's, it's, it's horrible. And, you know, this comes after a, a very busy summer last year and transfer window with them last year. They essentially bought two new teams because they had everyone on loans to get up into the Premier League. So it was right. a quiet window for them. But I'll, if you want to get into that, the only one I can really speak upon, I mean, I know all of them with Alanga and Chris Wood, but the one I would talk about is Matt Turner coming into being the number one keeper. I love Matt Turner, one, because he's a New Jersey-born native and he's USA's number one keeper, and he was on Arsenal. But now that he's not on Arsenal, I feel comfortable enough to say that he just wasn't a good backup. So I just don't think he's a great number one either. I think he's – kudos to him for never playing soccer before college, essentially, and now he's playing in the English Premier League. That's insane. It's incredible. But to me, there might be a little bit of luck in there for him. He has the basic skills, but – I don't think he's a goalkeeper that we're going to be talking about for too long. I love the kid. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think that he's a number one spot. I think he's probably a number one spot on Nottingham Forest, but you know, that's Nottingham Forest. They had seven points out of 19 away games. <laughs> right. Right. No, I think that's definitely fair. Um, yeah. The other, the other two signings, which you alluded to, the first one is Anthony Alanga, who comes over from, uh, from Manchester United. Young Swedish player. He likes to take guys on. Really good, you know, pace and, and directness. Um, something I just thought was cool. I was researching him. He speaks five languages fluently: English, Swedish, French, Portuguese, and Spanish, which is pretty interesting. I feel like there's not too many guys. I know Tiago uh, Alcantara is like that, um, but that's still really impressive. Very cultured, but that's like the coolest thing in the world. I can barely speak English, as we all know, and this guy's <laughs> pumping out five. That's crazy. <laughs> I know his pronunciations are better in every one too. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Chris Wood, who was on a loan to buy from uh, from Newcastle, just your classic slabhead target man. Yeah. Um, and just two two guys I wanted to highlight before we move on here. Um, Morgan Gibbs White was responsible for 15 of their 38 goals, so he actually had the highest goal contribution percentage for like your team's goals of anyone in the Premier League last year, even more than Holland in a year where he scored 38 That's crazy. and had two assists. Yeah. Just, I mean, partially because City scores so many goals anyways. Yeah. But that's how important Gibbs White was. And then Taiwo uh, Iwanyi, mm -hmm. who actually scored yesterday for his seventh straight start, um, scoring for, for Nottingham Forest dating back to last year. Um, former Liverpool Academy graduate, really good in the air. And he's also very fast like he's built like a brick shit house but he's he can move as well and we saw that on his goal yesterday just using his pace to counter um it's a team just generally they're very dangerous on set pieces especially throw-ins we saw that last year mm -hmm. um, and they're very dangerous on the counter so they'll take points off teams you know at the top half of the table throughout this year don't be surprised you know if they beat even man city at the city ground or liverpool or arsenal or whoever yep they are tough to beat at home and they are very dangerous on the counter but a uh, team with probably not nearly as much bite. Um, uh, uh, the final of the promoted sides, uh, Sheffield United. So coming up with Paul Heckingbottom, I just love that name. That's the manager. Um, I, I personally, I just I'm a little bit down on these guys, and I do have to say I love one of the signings they made in Gustavo Hammer from uh, Coventry. Uh, Another great name. Nearly. Right, right, yeah. He's a Brazilian-Dutch guy, which is a great combo, too. You like that in football. It means he's got football intelligence, he can speak multiple languages, and he's selfless. It's like That's a, that's a great combo to have. But, yeah. Um, he's a direct replacement for Sander Berg, who just departed for Burnley um, and was their best midfielder in the championship last year. Um, the other thing is they lost their leading goal scorer, Ilaman Indai. He scored uh, – 10 more goal, goal contributions than any other member of the squad in the championship. Um, so that's a lot of, lot of money, you know, and goals out the door. Uh, he went to Marseille. So that's a tough blow for them. And, and just my key takeaway for them is that I just don't think they have enough creativity or, or, or goal scoring to, to stay up. But I do really like Hammer. Keep an eye on him. He's already scored one goal, but he can really hit him from distance. He's going to score a couple of bangers this year. You can put money on it. Absolutely. And out of I don't I, I they definitely spent more than Luton Town this summer. Yes, I think definitely. they probably yeah, they did. might have they spent did. the most out of all of the promoted teams, other than I, I think Burnley got a couple Burnley big probably teams spent, in there. Yeah, with yeah. The and I would and, just say yeah, 
I would just say the other thing is like pretty much the number that you have to break at a minimum to stay up is 50 million um, in terms of, of ex- investing in the squad. And obviously just because you spend that money doesn't mean it's a good investment, it's good money. but yeah. Um, they're, they're closing in on that figure. They also just brought in uh, Cameron Archer from Aston Villa. Um, he shined on loan last year at Middlesbrough. He got loaned out in January and scored 11 times and had six assists in just 20 games. So, We'll be interested to see what he looks like this year um, against Premier League competition, but one to look out for. I think he's only 22 years old, so yeah, he's got a bright future ahead of them. But um, this is also a team that I I see in the relegation dogfight and and going down. So agreed. Um, I think my my three, and it's potentially you know subject to change, but my three would be Luton, Sheffield, and then Everton. And there might be one other team that we're about to discuss that I think. Uh, uh, you know, I'll, yeah. be the, I'll be thinking about there too, but They're do you have the any, anything else before we move on? I'll say that the team that you're probably thinking about that would replace Everton is actually who I have going down, but we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about that. But when we were talking about Burnley, one thing to mention about Sheffield United, and you kind of alluded to it already with the loss of um, uh, Berg, uh, no, I'm sorry, with uh, Ilman Nadai. Yeah, that's yeah. not, that's not yeah, too yeah. shabby. And um, they were they were first in all of the attacking categories over Burnley last year in the championship, and it was mainly because of their their striker. So that's a massive massive blow. I can't uh, you know point out that enough, even though you have already done it. But as far as it goes with with strikers and losing them, Tottenham Hotspurs finally did the deed. I think they they wised up. Bayern Munich was knocking on their door for the whole summer. They really prolonged it. They waited till the end, but they sold Harry Kane and they sold him for over a hundred mil. So that is some great business. I think by Spurs, I watched this one video by the athletic that kind of said, what is your value if you keep Kane and lose him on a free? So on average, every season that Kane has been with the Spurs, he's provided at least 30 million euros or pounds rather in Champions League money. So essentially the argument to keep Kane was he'll get you guys top four possibly. And by that means you get at least $30 million in revenue from TV and stuff, as long as you're in the group stage. So if you get into the round of 16, you're probably closer to around the 60 million mark, which is obviously a good run and something that Tottenham would, would strive for, but it's still 60 million is not as much as a hundred million. So selling him gets you the hundred million that you're able to spend. And they spent so so well i cannot i hate to admit it but to me just based off the first three games and even before we started the season i think spurs probably had the best summer transfer window and that's yeah i agree i mean they did some really really great business and just looking at the name the first thing that they did was they got a discount on kulisevsky from from Juventus from the loan, you know, all the obligations to buy and whatnot, you know, Juventus was no longer in European soccer. So Daniel Levy goes, yeah, I'll keep him, But like, I'm going to keep five million dollars more as well. So they bought him for 30 million dollars, who was a great add to their squad, really complimented son on the other side. Very well became a huge threat on that right side. He's got a killer left boot. Um, they brought in probably one of the most underrated center midfielders in the EPL just because he was on uh, Leicester City for a while. And that's James Madison, age 26. He's a veteran, has experience, and he's a magician. And he's shown it already with multiple assists to these to this team, who is pairing very, very well with someone that you talked about last, uh, last one as well, which is Basuma, right? They're playing exceptionally well together. Um, mm-hmm. Mickey Vandeven, a 22-year-old center back from Wolfsburg, uh, some serious cash there for for a young player in the center back. Uh, he's bringing a lot of size and pace to that back line that they lacked in an actual true center back to begin with. So that's a great pickup there. Pedro Poro they brought in as well, who's you know had a rocky start beginning. They brought him in the winter, right? Of last. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a loan to loan to buy deal. They bought him yeah. in January, and he looks very promising when he's on the pitch and playing well. Everyone's going to have an off game every once in a while, so he's one to just keep an eye on, and that's okay because it looks like Emerson Royale's having a good season already too. So there's some comp- competition there. Um, you like this guy, so I'll let you talk about the their new goalie as well. Yeah, well, I, I think just like we talked about with Manchester United. 
if you listen to this podcast last year, I was pining for Tottenham to move on from Hugo mm-hmm. Lloris. Um, they also pulled the Band-Aid off on that. Um, and they brought in Guglielmo Vicario. Um, I said that name fast because I'm actually not really sure how to pronounce it. So a <laughs> little, little trick of the trade for you folks at home. But I think he's um, already looks like a much more reliable player in distribution, which for Ange Postacoglu's system, he's a very possession-based, free-flowing side. Can't have a keeper who you know looks like he has a grenade at his foot, you know, yeah. which, which Loris did at this point in his career. Um, I, I think you know, with the benefit of having seen them over these first three games, they've really impressed me. I I I, I was pretty positive in my assessment of Postacoglu last year when they hired him. I, I yeah. like what I've read about him. I've seen interviews. He just seems like a very down to earth, like no nonsense kind of guy. Um, so I I think I before I had them in seventh. Bump them, I think bumping them up. I think they could finish in the top five potentially. Agreed. Um, but I think they'll, you know, without having to compete for European football, they have, you know, Basuma now. They have Madison, who looks like, you know, oh, he looks so good than I've ever seen him. So he looks good, so good. He looks so like excited to be playing for a big club. There's been rumored to, you know, for moves to Newcastle. He'd been linked to other clubs in the past. So you know, just happy for him. I mean, he looks great, and. um, I think they scored the second most goals on set pieces last year. I, I would expect they'd be right among there again because of how good and dangerous James Madison is. Um, but while we're, we're talking about set piece, dangerous guys named James, why don't we talk about West Ham United who brought in the set piece God. I don't mean to, I don't James mean to backtrack real quick, but I skipped him and I mentioned him before, but I did like that intro to another great named player. So I really appreciate that. But going back to Spurs for one second, just because it's interesting for people who didn't know, they got Solomon, uh, Salomon from Fulham. And for those who don't know, it's because he was from Shakhtar Dunsk, which was a Ukrainian team. And because there's still the war going over there, Tottenham was able to pick him up on free. So as, as far as we go with how they're spending their money in the summer transfer, I thought that was a phenomenal grab too for free. But um Go ahead. Let's swing off the tees with James Ward-Prowse again. Yeah, the uh, the golfing expert himself. Um, he's just one one free kick goal away from pa- um, joining David Beckham atop the Premier League history. From that perspective, obviously the big news you know from the summer is the departure of Declan Rice to Arsenal for a very short record uh, British fee of 105 million. <laughs> very short. Um, and while that lowers the ceiling for West Ham, I think they've done a really good job of reinvesting that money in the squad. The first one, obviously, is Ward Prowse. He's not a, ver- a similar. He's not a similar player to Declan Rice at all. Mm-hmm. Really, they're very different um, in how they play. More of like a deep, deep lying playmaker. Um, not the most you know athletic or defensively responsible, but he can obviously hit him from from distance and you know set pieces. He's unbelievable. They were middle of the pack last year. I think they were 10th place in terms of goals from set pieces. This year, I'd expect to be in the top five because of how good he is. I think he's already got two or three assists on the year as well. Yep. Um, so he, that was big. They also have Edson Alvarez they brought in from Ajax, um, holding midfield player. He can play also as a center back. He's really tall, good in the air. Um, you know, he, And he's a guy who battles for the shirt. So I thought that was solid business. He can replace Rice's work and then... He doesn't have the playmaking, obviously, that Rice does, or the ability to drive forward with the ball at his feet. But that's what you have Ward Prowse for to, you know, to play those long passes. Um, and then the last signing that I wanted to highlight before I throw it back over to you was Muhammad Kudus, another yep. Ajax man, really exciting player. If you've not seen this guy play before, look him up. Um, I've watched him a couple times because uh, Liverpool's played Ajax two years in a row previous to this in the Champions League, and he stood out both times for me. Um, really exciting. He can play both as a striker. He can also play deeper in midfield. A um, lot of ability on the ball, and he's a great striker of the ball as well. So definitely someone to look out for this year. Um, I think they'll they'll take a step forward uh, compared to where they were last year in the Prem. Obviously, they're in the Europa League because they won the Conference League, but uh, I think they've added depth to the squad, and I, I think they're probably similar to what you were talking about. I believe what you said with Fulham, we're in that, that 12, 13, 14 range. You know, they're going to stay up, but they're not, they're not, you know, competing for European. I think that's them. I think they're in that 11, 11, 12, 13 range, not, you know, 15 down in a relegation scrap. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It is, it, it is a very tight top of the table as soon as you get to 10 and up 
I think the ceiling for these guys is top half of the table. I think they can compete for eight. I think that should be where they're looking for because right now, as of this year, with the possible additional fifth position, that will get them back into European soccer. So I think that is yep. that's their reach on this. I think they could outperform that too, just based off of what we've seen so far. And I'll go back to last year. I never really, I never really hated West Ham. I think I came out and I said if they were able to have their starting roster all healthy at one time for multiple weeks in a row. I'm talking about Jared Bowen, Paqueta. I'm talking about Ben Rama, and all you needed was uh, Antonio to actually perform well, which he's off to a hot start this season. And they were already a kind of difficult team to play. And I'll go right. back to the comparison that I had with Man City. Yeah, West Ham lost one of their key players in Declan Rice. I won't talk about Skamaka because he had a bust of a season, unfortunately. Would have liked to see him do well, but he's already back in Serie A after one year stint. But you lose Declan Rice, you can't expect to replace him at an equivalent level. So they did something better. They got all of these players for so many different positions of extremely high quality and adds more depth to their team, which is what they were lacking on last year. So I think it's a home run of an offseason for West Ham. I think it's a killer start for them, especially since they beat our secondary favorite team over the weekend, which we'll talk about. <laughs> we'll talk about tomorrow, but they beat Brighton and they they beat them relatively handsomely. Obviously, the scoreline doesn't tell the whole story. So in order to feel or hear what we have to say about that, you'll have to tune in to the next episode. Oh, boy. Hook, line, and sinker. But uh, I, I'm excited to see the Hammers. I know a couple of my, my boys are excited. My cousin's excited. And I'm sure we'll bring one of them on board for the podcast one year because this is going to be a good team to talk about. So we'll do a little spotlight on the Hammers at one point. But let's, Absolutely. let's bring up the rear here. And it's unfortunately a team that you mentioned about before without actually mentioning their names. But Wolves, I think, are in relegation danger. Um, I yep. think they were last season and they just managed to kind of stay a little bit higher than I think they probably should have. But they're definitely in danger this year. When they came out and played against Manchester United, I thought, oh, damn, this is a different this is a different Wolves team because they looked good. They looked very pacey. They looked composed. They were forcing down, work down one side. They found the the weak link in the defense of Man U and forced them to go this way. They looked structured. And then, of course, the next two games happened, and they don't look the same. They also got cheaped out of a penalty kick, which potentially would have been a draw in there we talked about before. But Wolves last year didn't do anything really massive during the summer, and this year they took a, a massive back backward step because they lost Nathan Collins to Brentford, who was a very tall, very solid center back, and then Ruben Neves to Al-Halil, or whatever, another Saudi Arabian team. And they also lost Raul Jimenez, who we spoke about. Not a massive loss, in my opinion, but the big one is Ruben Neves, who was an incredible visionary with his long passes, his ability to be composed on the ball and everything like that. So that's massive. That's a loss. I did like the pickup of uh, Kuna, 24-year-old striker from Atletico Madrid, brought in for a club record fee of $50 million, with a, and it's a loan with an option to buy at that. So that's a really impressive um, player that they got. The only downside to that with the loan, maybe they're already alluding that they're, they might not need them next year because they're going down. I don't know. We'll see. But no. what do you think about the Wolves? Yeah, I, I just don't see enough goals in this team. And we've said that about other teams. And I think that's the issue um, consistently with teams at the bottom of the table, with the exception last year of Leicester and Leeds, who were just slop defensively but obviously as we're seeing now they have Premier League quality players up front in Harvey Barnes James Madison you know Leeds guys all their top guys have got moves as well throughout the league and other leagues um but yeah I, you know 31 goals last year um obviously that was last in the in the Prem they had four less goals than anybody else and they lose their all-time top scorer in the Premier League and Raul Jimenez as you mentioned and then Neves who was their top scorer last year with five goals it's just like where 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 are the goals coming from five goal Kuna, top Kuna, scorer that's that's insane right. right and it's insane that they stayed up um the other thing that obviously they're not looking to reinvest in the squad because uh Julian Lopetegui stepped down 2 weeks ago over like basically um difference of opinions regarding how transfer should be conducted meaning he wanted signings in and they told him you can't there's okay, some financial rocks. turmoil there 
Um, so they brought in Gary O'Neill, who did keep Bournemouth up and and somebody I praised a lot last year. But um, listen, if he if he keeps them up, then he should be the this, the classic survival specialist guy because I just don't see it with them. I think, as I mentioned before, I think it's a four teams really. I mean, obviously this this could change. Anything can happen. The season's long, but the four teams I think that are in danger are the two newly promoted ones in Sheffield and Luton, and then Everton and Wolves. Um, well, those are those are the teams, and and we'll get my buddy Nick on you. You'll like him, James. Uh, he's a big Wolves fan, and I know oh, I he's not gonna like to hear this, but they are uh, they're in trouble. They're not in great shape. No. I just I don't, I don't like I don't like their setup. Um, you know, going into the season, they did get a good win over Everton this weekend, and then as you said, a, a strong performance against United, and I think Gary O'Neill's good at playing the underdog, but um, you can only yeah, play the underdog for so long, you know. Right, Especially exactly. When you start that, out that, as that, the underdog. Right. Right. Exactly. So I think that, you know, to some extent it's, it's just going to be too much, but we'll see, man. Um, that does conclude it, but I, I would say that, you know, could be a team that very bringing up the rear, both on this list and potentially in the standings. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, that, like you said, brings up the end, the caboose of the wolves. That's all 20 English Premier League teams between the first part of the episode, which aired last weekend. If you didn't catch it, you can go back and you get the first eight teams. And it concludes the last 12 that we, we kind of pushed through here. We will have a recording session set up for either tomorrow or Tuesday. So you'll, at minimum, be able to hear us on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Uh, so we'll get that back to you. And Kyle will be on board on that. So we'll be able to talk briefly about this weekend's games, a little bit of hot news, and next weekend's must-watches. So if you guys have anything over the next few hours that you want us to talk about for tomorrow or Tuesday, please let us know. If not, Sean, great stuff, man. I think uh, I saw a couple of people sign on from ESPN, going to take a couple of our takes down. Real good stuff. <laughs> and we'll hear it on the air somewhere else. But until tomorrow afternoon or Tuesday, whenever that may be, I know you're all excited. We'll talk to you then. 